so you guys that that know me know that uh, I have really been endeavoring to study honor, and I believe it's something that we all do already, so this is nothing that's going to make you go, oh my goodness, I've never heard that before. Uh, but I feel like, and I think we all feel it, to be honest, is um, there's a beckoning. You know, Pastor Steve talked on Sunday about coming away with God, and I feel like this beckoning from the Holy Spirit to come deeper, to go further, to, to go to new heights. Do I need so this is something where I feel like uh, we're never done, right? There's so many things in our Christian walk where we're never done. Actually, our Christian walk entirely is never done. We're never going to be done. When we get to heaven, God's not going to say, okay, cool, you're done now, good job. No, we have more things to do. It's never something that we're going to arrive at it. We're always going to be doing things. And so I, I feel like there's so many of us collectively that feel like God keeps telling us, go deeper, go further, go higher, take it to the next step. And that's challenging sometimes because um, I feel like we get to a place where we're like, well, I'm already doing that. So how do I do the next thing? And that's where we take it in and say, Holy Spirit, show me what the next thing is. Because it's, it's not about me or what I think, but it's if you're telling me to go deeper or higher, there must be somewhere deeper I can go and there must be somewhere higher I can reach. And so one of the things um, that I really have been studying is, is Honor. This is a really great book. It's by Mark Hankins. If you guys don't have it, I apparently spilled coffee online. So anyway, um, if you don't have this, I encourage you guys to get it. I think we have some if you want it. Um, it's it just, it's so good. The the more you think about it and the more you really study it, and it makes, it challenges me because I thought, oh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I, I, I go to church and I serve our pastors and I serve doing this and I serve doing that. And then I read this book and I'm like, wow, yeah, I got a long way to go. <laughs> So it's it's good to be challenged. It's good to be challenged because iron sharpens iron, which means you got to have iron to you know rub against you a little bit to get you to grow. Um, but on Sunday, we had such an amazing time, not only in worship but also in the Word. If you guys missed Sunday, please, 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 please go back and watch it because it was powerful, powerful, powerful. The exhortations from Pastor Kim were just absolutely powerful. The Word Pastor Steve gave was just absolutely powerful. Um, but when Pastor Kim was exhorting, I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't treat as common what is it uncommon. And she had been talking about the name of Jesus and, and how, you know, that's our strong tower. That's the refuge that we run to. And it's, it's not just a name. It's the name to which every knee will bow to. But, you know, we live in a world where it's trying to make things grossly common to the point where Jesus is is a name for some people, which is fine. I'm not coming against that. And it's also a swear word. And it's also used in this and this and this and this. And we get so familiar with it that we forget it's the name of Jesus. It's the name that breaks every yoke. It's the name that, that disease can't stand against. It's the name that heartbreak can't stand against. It's the name that every knee will have to bow to. And so when I was I was mulling about it or, or thinking that over, that's where I kind of thought that what he was saying is like, you know, to, to treat the name of Jesus 
in higher regard and higher reverence and higher honor than we already do. You know, we grow up saying, in Jesus' name, amen, which is great. And I'm not coming against that because it's so necessary. But we forget that we're saying, in the name of Jesus, this is what we're praying for. And sometimes I think we, we get to that spot where it's just like, in Jesus' name. But we're saying, in the name of Jesus. And I feel like God is saying, come higher, come deeper, take it further. Because there's more power than we really realize. Like if, if we would stop and think about the verse that says the very same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of you. And that word quickens, right? Quickens your mortal body. It means shoot your mortal body back to life. If we could get a grasp of that, my goodness, that's huge. Okay, so I totally all that was free. <laughs> but so Pastor Steve was talking about come away. But there's three things about coming away. It requires our will and our obedience. Our will is our mind, our will, our mind, our soul, and our emotions. How many of us might need some work in our emotions? Because I can say yes. Pastor Kim taught on being intentional with your emotions, and I had an emotional breakdown after that because <laughs> I felt like, oh man, there's that's such a we women especially, maybe not all women, but I do. Your emotions can feel so very real. They can feel so very like truth. And, and Pastor Kim always says there's facts and there's truth. So your fact is you might be feeling this way, but the truth is Jesus set us free from those. Okay, so our to come away with God, it requires our will and our obedience. Our will is our mind, our emotions, and our, our soul, right? So uh, we need to do all those things. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Um, it requires our eyes to be fixed on him alone. And Pastor Steve talked about that. It's even though we're in this body, we're in this group of believers, which God connected us to, we have to keep our eyes on him. We're not going to follow each other if they're not following him. Does that make sense? So I, I brought you a picture. You guys know that I like pictures. It's not a goat picture, and it's not that picture, David. Uh, so we have this little, this little Labrador. Her name is Merida. And Merida is quite exceptional in my personal opinion. Um, she inherently stares at you all the time. Like she, she'll walk next to me and the whole time she's walking, she's walking like this because she's looking at me and I'm always afraid she's going to walk into something because she's not looking ahead. She's looking literally, well, you can see her. That's my shoe. She literally looks up at me as she even walks, which is great for training. Just so we all know it's so good. She's so easy because she's always looking for me. But the other day, Daniel was outside with me, and both dogs were out. So Merida and her mother, Genesis, all lived here. And so Genesis and Merida and Daniel and I were all outside. And Daniel and Genesis were ahead of us, and Merida and I were walking together. And so she, of course, was walking and, and watching me, and then all of a sudden she got distracted. She had, like, squirrel brain. She's only three months old, so, you know, I mean, she gets a, a break. She gets distracted, and she starts watching Daniel. Well, we're going the same direction. So I'm like, well, I wonder how long it's going to take her. So I stopped. And so she's just following Daniel. And all of a sudden, she looks over and realizes you can see her go, oh, where'd, where'd she go? And so she stops, and she had to course correct to find where I was. And not that Daniel was taking her into a wrong direction because he wasn't. We were going in the same direction. But Daniel's not her person. I am. So if I was going to go somewhere else, 
She needed to have her eyes solely on me to go where I'm going, not where Daniel's going. And we are the same way. We, we are in this group. We're in a group of believers. We're in this body that God has connected us together. And we are going to follow, but we need to make sure that our eyes are solely on God. Because if God tells us, hold on, wait a second, or we're going to, you know, sidestep for a second, we need to be looking at him going, okay, wait, I'm going to wait. And if you're like me, sometimes I think we know where I'm going, and I'm just going, and all of a sudden God's like, uh, I told you to time out. But if we're not there listening and we're not there watching just him, we can miss those things. And then the third thing is to follow him means that we cannot treat as common what is uncommon. So uh, we are an uncommon people. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2, 9, this is the Amplified, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. That's uncommon all by itself. We're chosen. We're set apart. We're brought into this kingdom as joint heirs with Christ. He loved us before we loved him. He gave before we lived for him. That is uncommon. And we need to look at that and go, wow, okay, God, that is so powerful. So what do you want us to do with it? It's not just about us. How many of us have realized it's not just about us? right? Pastor Steve is always saying, if you have a blessing, it's for somebody else. If, if you've got something going on, it's something else. You know, in the story about um, Jesus, you know, we all know the story of he was sleeping down below the decks when the storm came on the, on the sea, right? Well, why did they have to get through the storm? The very next chapter begins with the crowd met him on the other side, and he did miracles there. There was something on the other side of what he was doing, and it wasn't himself. It was, it was people. So everything we go through, everything we do, everything we have isn't about us. It's about people. It's about who's next. God, what do you want me to do next? Who do you want me to touch next? What is it that you have for us? So I felt like God gave me four areas that we can up our game in. And notice I'm saying we can up our game in because we are already doing these things. We are the choir tonight. You're already doing these things. But I felt like God said, we can up our game. We can take it to the next level. We can go deeper. We can go, go higher. So four areas we can up our game right now that will create and in immediate closer following to God as he beckons us to come away with him. So these four areas are areas that we're going to start looking at not as a common thing, but we're going to start looking at them going, wow, one, the name of Jesus is not a common name. It is a name filled with power. It is a name at which every knee will bow. It is the name above all names. It is seeping with power. Have you ever had something that seeps? It like continually just overfills and flows and just seeps out, okay? The second thing is our church building. We've been given this amazing building it is warm, it has lights on, it's glorious, we love all those things, but we're not going to treat it as a building. I don't treat this building like I treat the barn, I don't treat the barn like I treat the house, although Daniel swears I might. Uh, there's something about the building, it's important that we, we look at it not as a, a building of sticks and stones, but we look at this building and we say, this is where the Spirit of God resides. This is where the glory falls. This is where we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and do whatever it is he's going to do. 
have your way, have your will. We've rolled out the red carpets. We've done everything we know to do so that you can come in and do your spot. But you know he can't come in and do his stuff if we don't treat it that way, right? When we have people that come to visit your house, what do you do? You clean up, right? It might be the only time you clean up, just saying that could be a thing. Uh, you know, you, you clean, you dust, you put things away, you make sure everything is in order for people to be able to arrive. Well, that's what we need to be making sure. And we are, because I'm saying we're upping our game. We're not starting our game, we're upping our game. So this place is a place that the, the glory of God falls. You know, the temple in the Old Testament, it was only able to be entered once a year, the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was once a year. So the priests spent that entire year preparing to go one day into the presence of God. He had to clean himself right. He had to bathe himself right. He had to sacrifice the right animal. He had to have the right blood. He had to have all these right things. The conditions had to be correct for him to be able to enter the Holy of Holies. And while Jesus tore that veil, while we don't have to, to kill anything, thank you, Jesus, we don't have to kill goats anymore because, you know, that would be really hard for me. Um, we get to go into this place. We come in these doors and we forget we're coming into the holy of holies. We're coming into the very presence of God. And, and yet we look at it like we're just walking into any other building. And this is not trying to be legalistic. This is not trying to, to bring condemnation whatsoever. I want to see the glory of God. And I know y'all do too. I want to see people changed. I want to see bondages broken. I want to see lives turned around. I want to see whatever it is the Holy Spirit has for us, whatever he has for this church, and it's going to require us to up that game of honor because in this place, the only thing that should be going on is an honor and a reverence for God. And I'm totally talking to myself. So the next thing is the body of Christ. We can up our game in our honor of each other. You know, not to throw my husband under the bus, but I always make not fun of because that's not the right word, but I always give Daniel a hard time because when Daniel hears from God, it's like God sent him this rainbow-colored unicorn with a banner that has exactly what it is written on it. And I feel like when God talks to me, he usually talks to me through, you know, like possibly a goat or, you know, whatever. And I kind of have to think about it and decipher it. Like I feel like Daniel got the printed word and I get the hmm, figure out what it means type of thing. And so he always used to give me a hard time and say that it's because I had the poo gift, and he didn't. And I had to wade through some things to get to, get to it. But that's, that's not biblical. Do you know that the, the Bible tells us that we are one body, and that if we have a member that we think is maybe not as, um, as special as another body, that we're supposed to actually treat them with more reverence than we do the members that we think are worthy of it. Isn't that interesting? We're supposed to lift up the weaker parts. So God is basically saying, if you are thinking there's a body part that's not as good as you are, then you need to uh, re-look at the word because the word says you treat them with more care, more honor, more reverence, more help, because that's what he says to do. And the fourth thing is, and we're going to talk about each of these things. I have verses for all of them, I promise you. Uh, the last thing is our pastors. I know you guys love our pastors. Like I said, totally preaching the choir, not saying we're not doing it. But, man, we're going deeper. We're going higher, which means we're going to have to up our honor to our pastors. They are anointed. 
They have been given to us. They have the mandate on their lives to govern and manage this church. That wasn't put on me. It wasn't put on you. It was put on them. And that means we have to treat them as such. You know, we don't go to the doctor's office and say, hey, Bob, how are you today? You know, I, I tell the story. I know you guys have heard it, but in I was in the car one day, and I never, ever call our pastors anything other than Pastor Kim or Pastor Steve. Not at home, not in the shower, not in the goat pen. Does not matter. Does not matter who I am. And we've known them 12 years. We love them. They're a part of our family. But they are my pastors. And that is the honor that I have for them in my life. So I do not call them by their first name. But I was in the car, and I needed to text Pastor Kim. And so I told Siri, text Kim Bierman. And Siri goes, did you mean Pastor Kim Bierman? And I went, oh, yes, I did. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Siri knew I don't call her Kim Bierman because that's not who she is to me. She is my pastor. I call her Pastor Kim. When I go to the vet, I don't say, hey, Billy Bob, can you fix my goat? I say, Dr. Lackey, I don't know what I did, but can you fix it? We put a draw on people by how we reverence them. So if, if, if this is your house, if this is your pastors, if this is your body, the reverence that you put into them is what you will receive back. You cannot pull the giftings and the anointing out of something that you don't give honor for. Okay, so the name of Jesus, Philippians 2, 8 through 11 in, in the Amplified. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself, talking about Jesus, of course, still further, and he carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name above every name, that in and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I, I had not really put those thoughts together before. You know, we say every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. But did you guys see that last part? To the glory of God the Father. Isn't that interesting? So when we're declaring that Jesus is the name above every other name, that everything has to bow to that name, what are we doing? We're bringing God glory. I, this week has been kind of an interesting week. Uh, I had a, a cousin that I have actually never met. We haven't had contact. She's uh, in years. I'm not going to say how many years because that makes me feel a little old. And it's been such a blessing this week because I've gotten to know her, I've gotten to spend time with her, and I've gotten to to talk to her about some things. And the best thing is I've gotten to talk about God with her, and it's amazing because she's a, a worship leader at another church. And um, it's been the coolest thing, and only God could have orchestrated that. And I, Daniel keeps thinking, you know, it's a scam because it's Daniel. And if you've met Daniel, you know Daniel. So, Megan, if you're watching, please do not be offended. That is just my husband. Um, but I, I told her, I said, only God could have done this, which means only he can get the glory. Like when we, when we are opening, openly realizing only God could have done this, only the name of Jesus could have broken this off of me, only the power of the anointing could have done this, we are just giving God the glory that, that no one else could get. And that's really what so much of this is about is that God is is so worthy the glory and it's that that's going to bring people to him 
It's going to bring the people that we need touched in our lives closer to him because of what we're seeing. So um, to reverence this building, um, how many of you guys know Rick Renner? If you don't know Rick Renner, you should definitely look into him. He's an amazing Greek and Hebrew scholar. Um, He has lots and lots of books, but um, he had this to say about the building. Um, So this is Rick Renner. It says, this reminds me of 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 15, where Paul wrote, these things I write unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly, King James. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know thou ought how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I say it in King James Version because, of course, he's going to translate that all. But basically, if I don't come to you, this is what Paul is saying, if I don't get to you, I'm writing you in case I don't get there so that you know how to behave yourselves. How many of us tell our kids, you better behave yourself, okay? This is what Paul's saying. You better behave yourself. And once he, he's, he's telling them how to behave themselves in the house of God, which means there must be an importance there. Is, is there anything in the Bible we think is not important? No, it's in there for a reason, right? So if he's saying there's a way to behave ourselves in the house of God, this is an area that we can go higher. Because I know you guys are doing it already because we're preaching to the choir tonight. But I feel like the Holy Spirit keeps saying, come deeper, come deeper. So how can we do that? In verse 15, Paul was addressing wider issues that affected the whole house of God. But there is a principle in this verse I wish to discuss. This is Rick Renner, of course. We ought to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God. The word ought in verse 15 is the Greek word, could be day. I could totally be wrong too, but it's D-E-I, which describes a necessity or something that isn't optional. In other words, this is a mandatory behavior. The word for behaveth is from the Greek word anestropho, A-N-A-S-T-R-E-P-H-O, in case I said that wrong, which I'm sure I did, which means to conduct oneself appropriately. It is simply inappropriate to be disrespectful in the house of God or to act unbecomingly in the presence of other believers who are trying to seek God or to prepare for his work. Paul said it is obligatory that we behave appropriately when we're in the house of God. This is something that must be taught and imparted. So growing up, I, of course, you know, sitting next to my parents in church, you would definitely get in trouble for doing things. Like my sister tried to buy my um, communion wafer off of me one time, and I got spanked. I'm not really sure how that happened, but if you knew my sister, you would know why that happened. But um, you don't really see parents... Not in this church, of course. I'm saying in general, other churches require their children to have a reverence in in, in a church building or or really kind of anywhere. How many of you gone, have gone to Walmart at night? <laughs> when I was a kid, my grandpa used to go around and say, lady, I will spank that kid for you. And I was mortified. And now I kind of understand <laughs> why he did such things. Um we're, we, this is something that has to be trained. It has to be taught. You know, God corrects those he loves, right? So if he's putting this in, inside of us saying that we need to work on our honor of the building, it's not because we're trying to be legalistic. It's not like we're trying to add rules and regulations. But if he's telling us, hey, we need to up our game in this area, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. So instead of being kind of you know, hurt a little bit, we're going to say, okay, God, show us what we can do. 
excuse me, but this place is a place of honor. This building has been dedicated to the Lord. It is a place of honor. We honor God by honoring this place. And in doing so, we are making room for his spirit to come, to move, and to linger without suppression or grievance. You know, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's found in Ephesians 4.30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend Vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, and secured for the day of redemption, of final deliverance through Christ from evil, and the consequence of sin. So you guys know that I used to work for a district judge. I was the criminal clerk, which I actually really liked, and I know it's really weird, but I did really like it because it's interesting, and it's nothing like you see on television. Um, but there's, there's something called courtroom etiquette, and there's also something called contempt of court. And it's interesting because in these proceedings you have, they're pretty strict about what happens in a court of law. How you act, how you dress, if you're chewing gum, oh my goodness, do not chew gum in my judge's courtroom. Let's just say that. Um, why? Because that is a place that your life going forward depends on what happens that day. Whether it's criminal, whether it's tax, whether it's family law, I'm telling you right now, your life depends on what happens in that room that day. What they decide, the proceedings that happen, your life will never be the same, period. Doesn't matter what it is. But you have to be dressed appropriately. You got to be on time. You got to have appropriate language. I've had defendants not have appropriate language. That didn't go over well. Addressing the judge. Do you know that if you do not address the judge as your honor, he also really does not like that? He does not. Let me tell you, does not. At least my judge didn't. So I looked up that word contempt because it's kind of a weird word. It's maybe not a word we use a whole lot, or at least I don't. I mean, our judge used it quite a bit, but I don't really use it. So it means three things. The feeling that a person or thing is beneath consideration is worthless or deserving scorn. Two, to disregard for something that should be taken into account. So it's like saying, yeah, don't really need to deal with that. Or the offense of being disobedient to or disrespectful of. Contempt in a courtroom displays a lack of honor for the room, the people in it, and most importantly, the judge. It, it can delay or even cancel all court business in that proceeding. So if you come in and act a fool, guess what? It's going to delay or cancel whatever was supposed to happen that day in court. When we're not treating this house as a house of reverence, we're creating an atmosphere of contempt where the people are affected and ultimately our father, the righteous judge, is dishonored. It delays or cancels the proceedings and flowing from heaven. Oh, Lord, help us. We do not want to delay or cancel what heaven has for us in this place, not one time. That is kind of a weighty thought. And again, not bring in condemnation because we're already doing these things, but we're saying go deeper. Going deeper might look like whatever it is. Maybe not wearing holy jeans to church. I don't know. Whatever it is, God will convict your hearts just like that whole Pastor Kim conviction. That's my conviction. I will never call her something other than Pastor Kim. Doesn't matter. That's my conviction. But we can take some steps where we say, okay, maybe I won't drink a can of soda. Maybe I won't get up and we had somebody one time eat a taco in here during service, and it was slightly inappropriate. <laughs> and by slightly, I mean massively. Um, 
but why is that? Because it's a distraction. It's a distraction. Do you know the Holy Spirit does not interrupt? He doesn't interrupt himself. He doesn't interrupt the flow. So if we are being distracted by whatever's going on, kids running around, Coke cans crinkling, you know, somebody spilling coffee, whatever it is, whatever it is, we're literally stifling whatever it is God has for this house to do that day. And what if that's the day we have somebody in here that is thinking about killing themselves and they don't get the word because we got off track or we, we didn't honor this, the Spirit's presence, the anointing's presence the way we should have. We have a place we can go deeper in this, a challenge we can go deeper. And like I said, this is not a condemnation. This is a challenge. This is a challenge for me too. Step it up. What can we do to step it up? There's things we can do. Okay, so the body of Christ. So Romans 12, 10 through 16. This is the passion translation, so it's not going to be on the overhead because apparently it doesn't bring it up. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. This is in the Bible, just in case for those of you who don't like people. Uh, tenderly loving. Daniel's giggling at me. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. I love the passion translation. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let his let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. That's exactly what Pastor Steve was talking about with the come away. Commune with him at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. I'm going to tell you this is one of the areas that I'm going to step it up in because I can get wrapped up in whatever it is I've got going on, whatever it is I've got going on in the goat barn, Whatever it is I've got going on, whatever shenanigans I have gotten myself into. And it's easy to get so wrapped up into our own stuff and our own plans and our own goats or whatever it is that we don't say, hey, Grace, how are you today? How was your week? You know, hey, I thought of you this morning while I was praying. I'm just reaching out saying I'm thinking about you. It only takes a few minutes of our time. And I'm saying, totally speaking to myself, I can up myself in this game big time. Because we're a part of this body, and this says continually, constant interest. Constant interest. Uh, eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who weep. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony, and be mindful of another's worth. Be mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Again, this is another area I'm working on. <laughs> I'm working on. Um, I can say I don't think of others all the time. I don't. I think I, I, it's easy to get wrapped up in whatever it is I've got going on. Kids, husband, family, finances, bills, whatever it is. Man, it's so easy. And I, I feel like the devil has a little bit of a hand in that. Because if he can keep us so distracted and so busy and so going in 500 directions that we don't stop to come away, like Pastor Steve was talking about. We don't stop to take that time 
with God. And that is a lot of times where we hear, hey, you know, reach out to so-and-so. Or, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in my prayer time and, and someone will come to my heart and mind and, and it's a specific thing. It didn't just happen. I didn't just go there by myself. The Holy Spirit led and guided and directed us. But if we can't make time to go away with God, like Pastor Steve was exhorting on Sunday, we miss it. And I, I don't want to miss it. Okay, so our pastors. I had a, a different thought about this, and you guys already have already heard my my pastor thing and, and my my conviction with them is they are my pastors. I love them. They are family to us. They're my first phone call most of the time. They're my last text most of the nights. Um, but I don't ever call them by their first names, ever. And not when I'm with the kids, not when I'm in the car, not when I'm talking to Daniel. And in fact, Daniel will say things, and I'm like, do you mean Pastor Steve? Pastor Kim? You know, just kind of messing with them because that's my conviction. But, you know, they're not just a person. They're not just another member of our church. They're a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to us, right? What do parents do? They raise up their kids in the way they should go. They teach them. They instill them. They correct them. They love them. They, they think the best for them. They have plans for them. They do all these things. Okay, so which one of those things do our pastors not do? None of them. That's exactly what they do for us. They think about us all the time. They're always praying for us. They're always trying to guard our souls from whatever shenanigans we get ourselves into, or at least maybe that's just me, so talking to Emma again. Um, you know, they're, they always have the best for us. They're instructing us. They're pouring their very lives into this place and into this body, pouring their lives. How many of us can say, we gave it all up. We have no outside job. We literally, this is what we do 100% of the time. I can't say that. I can't. We are literally their job and their purpose and their love because guess what? If you don't love it, you're not going to do it. It is too much work. It is, it is heartbreaking and tiring, and, and they do it with joy because they love us. They love this body. They love our church. They love what God has for us, and so they do it without complaining. They do it without backing down. If you know Pastor Steve, he really doesn't ever do it without smiling. I've seen him smile through things, and I'm like, what? <laughs> that, can't be, that can't be a thing, but he does. He, they don't just say it. They live it. They are our spiritual parents. I don't know how many of you would walk up to your parent and be like, so, my dad's name is Glenn. So, Glenn, how are you today? I would never. My dad would have knocked me into next week, just saying, and probably still would. Um, but there's a reverence there for our, our natural parents. There's things we do. There's things we say. There's, there's activities we might partake of or not partake of with our natural parents but yet we don't really have a true grasp of that reverence with our spiritual parents. And I feel like this is an area where we are being asked to step it up. Not that we're not doing it, because you are. You're the choir tonight. You're all doing it. But this is an area we can step it up in. What's an area that we can show more honor, more reverence, more appreciation for our pastors? You know, honor will always cost you something. You cannot honor something or someone without a cost, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's a sacrifice, whether whatever it is, there's more you can read. You can read lots about it. It will always cost you something. I like what Mark Hankins says. He says respecting somebody would be to remember their birthday, but honoring someone puts money in the card because honor always costs you something. It's just his joke, but it, it's a good thought because sometimes people say, "Well, I respect them," and you might. 
that's fine. It's great. Well, I want you to respect them, you know, respect your elders, respect your parents, you know, do all those things. But honor will cost you something. And a lot of times for me, if you're like me, it's going to cost me to shed a little bit of my attitude. Because sometimes we can get a little bit of attitude. And sometimes I have to say, I'm really sorry I had an attitude. I'm ready to have a better attitude towards you or towards anything or to whatever it was. Um, it doesn't have to cost you necessarily something financially. It can cost you something like that. Attitude, something we can burn off, something we can we can do. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13, this is in the Passion. Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that you show your deep appreciation for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you, for they are your leaders who care for you. They teach you, and they stand before the Lord on your behalf. How many of you have called one of our pastors or maybe text them in the middle of the night saying, I need you to pray for this? How many? I have, like, all the time. <laughs> when, uh, literally in the middle of the night. And you'll always get something back that says, I'm praying with you. This is what we're going to stand on. This is the verse we're going to, or she'll, she'll ask me, what are we going to stand on? What what verse do you want to stand on? What promise do you want to stand on? But they always have that response of, I will stand before God with you. I will connect arms with you. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? I've never had them say, yeah, that's stupid. We're not praying about that. Sorry about your bad luck. You're on your own. Peace out. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, Emma. Why are you texting me? Never, never, ever, ever. And sometimes I'll get a text really late at night. And I was like, who is texting you? And I'm like, it's Pastor Kim. <laughs> but that's, that's what we do. You, that's what you do because they're, they're invested in us. And we should be invested in them. They're not just people. They're not just somebody to fill a chair. They have an anointing in your life that only they can do because they are your pastors. There's things that they can touch. There's things that they can pray for. There's things that they can agree with you on that I can't do because I don't have spiritual authority over you. So it's great to have people pray for you, and I'm not saying don't, but it's not the same as having your pastors. It's just not. And that's kind of the reason why this whole church on social media thing is scary because, yes, you're getting the word and you're getting to hear it and it's great, but there's nothing like having a relationship with your pastor because only they can speak into your life and only they have authority to take authority in your life and over your situations and help pull you out of whatever you're in. Only they can do that. That's their job. That's their assignment from God. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 4, 15 through 16, this is the modern... English, for if you were to have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. In Christ Jesus, I have become a father to you through the gospel. That's exactly what we have. We, our, our pastors are our spiritual mothers and fathers, and we are being beckoned to start to go deeper with that. They're not just a friend. They're not just a family member. We love them. Yes, we're friends. Yes, we do stuff. Yes, we go to lunch. We go to dinner, whatever it is. But they are our pastors. They are our spiritual mother and father. We are going to up that level of honor because that's what God's asking us to do. There are things we don't say to our parents. There are things we would never text to our parents. My dad is always a huge person of do not put stuff in writing. There's a reason for that because once it's in writing, it never goes away, just so we all know. But we need to remember that 
while they are a person, and man, it's so easy to write out a text, do we really need to say that? Is that our place to say it? Is that our, is that our place to correct? Is that our place to uh, criticize? Criticize is like the anointing breaker. The person you are criticizing no longer has anointing in your life, period. You can't criticize the anointing and expect to receive from it. So if we're criticizing stuff, we need to stop that right now. And I'm saying we, 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 we need to stop it. Because we need a place where the anointing just flows like a river and it doesn't get stopped up. It doesn't get cut off. It doesn't get diverted. And I want to show you this picture. So uh, I now work at the Georgetown Airport at an FBO, uh, which is we deal with private jets. So this is a Gulfstream 600. There are only 89 of them in existence. It is a, if you want to know what, wait, don't, don't take it down. If you want to know what $60 million looks like, well, it looks a little bit like that. Uh, this plane, when it landed, has a wingspan of over 100 feet in each direction. It's, it's massive. Um, so it also takes three years to build one. It's pretty impressive. It goes 710 miles per hour, and it can go 7,481 miles before it has to land to get fuel. It also burns 411 gallons of fuel an hour. And, you know, jet fuel is like six bucks a thing, so that's, you can do the math. That's why Emma doesn't have a plane, in case you're wanting to know. <laughs> so this Gulfstream came in, and this thing was impressive, absolutely luxurious, top of the line, absolutely. Everybody was so excited that it was coming in because there's only 89 of them in the world. This particular plane only had 25 hours on it. It literally flew from Denmark, where they were assembled and built, to America, and we were one of his, like, 25 hours. Okay, so this thing is a beast. It's the biggest plane by far that has ever landed on our airport. It is, it's beautiful. It is powerful. It's, it is just the cream of the crop, okay? So they, they go to leave, and they're just sitting there, which is how I got that picture in the, uh, the sunset. They're sitting there, and I'm like, what are they doing? They're taking forever. And one of the line guys comes back in, and he said, well, they're not leaving anytime soon. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what's going on? And they were being delayed because of the atmospheric situations to the destination they were going. The clouds were too low. So you, you've got this big, powerful plane that can fly anywhere in the world. It doesn't have to stop for gas. It's, it's luxurious. It's ridiculous. And it can't leave because the place it's going has too many clouds. It can't land. So when this is happening, I'm like, this is weird. So basically, they call the clouds in ceilings. The cloud ceiling was too low. It did not let this giant, powerful plane fly to its destination and land because it couldn't see down through the clouds. It couldn't come down through the clouds. And you think about, it's not raining, it's not storming, it's not snowing, it's not a tornado. This cloud simply, or this plane simply cannot land because of clouds? This is the weirdest, for my brain to wrap around, I'm like, I still don't really understand why the clouds hinder this plane. But it does. It hinders this plane. And I, God said, the ceilings are too low. 
we have to raise those ceilings for the glory of God to be able to descend and ascend back up. We can't have ceilings here and expect the big things of heaven to come down and land right in our midst and do what we want to do. We've got to clean up our atmosphere for that to happen. The clouds have got to burn off, whether that's situations or whether it's attitudes or maybe it's this lack of honor. Maybe that's why God is saying, don't treat what is uncommon as common because it's got clouds that are too low. We can't get up where we need to go and they can't come down where they need to come down from. We set the atmosphere. We do. If you've ever thought you don't matter, I'm telling you right now, you absolutely matter. How you treat this place, how you treat our body members, how you treat our pastors, how you treat the name of Jesus, how you treat the Bible, all these things matter to our atmosphere. And we can't have the heavens descend down if we've got junk going on in our atmosphere. And we can't send things up. We can't go higher. We can't get above the clouds if we can't get out of the clouds. We've got to get out of the clouds. It's just like that, you know, is it the peanuts where Pigpen always has like the cloud of dust that's going around him and he like can't see through it and all that stuff? It's like that. We have to get out of that cloud. We've got to raise those ceilings. That's why he's saying go higher because we've got ceilings that are keeping stuff from us. We've got ceilings that are not allowing the, the, the heavy-handed work of heaven come down to where it needs to come down to. Because we've got ceilings. We've got to raise them. So we're going to go deeper. We're going to go higher. We're going to raise our honor level. And like I said, if you guys don't have this book, it's great. I highly recommend it. And I just am challenging myself and, and us to look at things a little different. Look at it from a different perspective. There's, there's things we can do. There's little adjustments we can do. Even if you think, oh, I've got that. I've done everything she said to do tonight. Well, good. I'm glad. Great job. But I'm telling you there's something else you can do. There's always something else we can do. This, This is not a light thing. You know, church has become a light thing. It's become a when I feel like it, when I don't have to mow the grass, when the football game's not on. I've got planes that are multi-million dollar planes that will fly anywhere in Texas for a football game, every football game, so just so we all know. But they won't go to church. They'll fly to wherever they're going to go to a game. But people don't come to church. You know, we forget people die to go to church every day in this world. People die to get under the teaching and under the anointing. We forget these things because we are so blessed. We don't live like that. But we have the opportunity to say, okay, God, I might not live like that, but I'm going to value every moment I'm here, and I'm going to come expecting to meet you. I'm going to come expecting that your work of heaven is going to come down, and it's going to do what needs to be done today, whatever it is. We don't care what it is, Lord. You have your will. You have your way. You do it. We have a part to play. You matter Your kids matter. Your family matters. You matter to us in the body. You matter to us, to our pastors. My goodness, our pastors adore each and every one of you. They do. So it's time for us to go deeper. It's time for us to to stop treating 
things that are uncommon as common, as, as me, flippantly. Meh, we'll go to church next week. We'll, we will hit the snooze button three more times and we'll make the third song of, of worship. You know, if we did that to our job, would we really have a job that long? Because you wouldn't at my job. And yet, in not us, because we are the choir, but other people in other churches can't get to church on time. We used to drive an hour and a half. We'd have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and milk the goats to get in the car by 6, to get here by 8 for practice. And if I can do it, y'all can do it. Not you guys, because you guys already do it. But like other people, other people in other churches. We, there's areas we can do. There's things we can do. This is totally not condemnation. This is a challenge. Like we're at that. That. So did you guys ever see... Um, is it see? I can't remember. There's two horse movies I absolutely love in the entire world, and it's Sea Biscuit and Secretariat. And I can't figure out. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was. Um, I think it was Secretariat. But anyways, he would have to get up next to the competitor and see them eye to eye for him to want to go faster, to go deeper. He needed the challenge, and that's kind of what we're doing tonight. You guys are already doing it. You're already running your race. You're already on the track. You're amazing. You are totally the choir tonight. But we have this new thing that we've seen on our sides, and we're going to take it deeper, and it's going to spurn us further. It's going gonna, it's gonna to inspire us to want to run the race faster, to push it deeper, to go higher. And I am excited for it because when we do these things, we are opening the doors to the supernatural to flow in this place. And that's what we want. For why? Why are we doing any of this? For the glory of God.